Hello, and welcome to episode 33 of Design EDU Today, the podcast series discussing topics concerning the state of interactive design education at institutions of higher learning. I am your host, Gary Rosance, Assistant Professor of Graphic Design at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. In this episode, we will be discussing the skills necessary to be a contemporary designer, the specifics on the need to produce high-fidelity prototypes, and what a designer's portfolio should look like and what it shouldn't. Today's guest, Jay Finelli, currently heading up a job search for an interactive design position at Cotton Bureau, was a previous guest back on episode 10 of this show. For those new to the show, Jay, a design school dropout, is one-third of Cotton Bureau, the mutant child of the previous t-shirt store, web design community, United Pixel Workers, and the grandchild of the dearly departed web design studio, Full Stop Interactive. At Cotton Bureau, Jay's in charge of colors, shapes, and letters. Jay was named after a brand of Pristol Grips and lost only two spelling bees in his life. He made it from 1991 to 2008 without vomiting for any reason and strongly believes that the Nike Air Max 95 is the greatest sneaker ever designed. He also is hopelessly addicted to Coca-Cola. Welcome, Jay. What's up, Gary? Thanks for having me back. Oh, I'm excited to have you. Um, so I'm just going to jump right into it. This is, you know, you are recently, um, a plot, you put out an ad for, um, a UX UI to, well, I'll actually just get into the question, but that's what, (laughs) that's what this episode is about is about the job positioning that you posted and, and and some of this is for the listeners, of course. And then some of the, who knows, (laughs) we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the responses you might be getting for. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll go wherever this goes. Yeah. All right. So in your job ad, you said the following, and this is a, a quote from the ad. We're not actually sure what to call this position specifically because, well, our industry isn't quite sure what to call it either. Web designer, interface designer, UI designer, UX designer, experience designer, digital designer, front-end designer. Ugh, maybe it'd just be easier if we explain who we're looking for. So my, my first question is, why do you think we're having this identity crisis in the industry? Um, well, first of all, I mean, I, I think some of that was just kind of trying to be clever from a copywriting standpoint, um, because so many job listings are the same. They're, they're asking yeah. for the same thing. They don't really stand out in any way. So I think that, that in a way was for us to sort of like put our personality out there just so any potential applicants can like read that and see, this is who Cotton Bureau kind of is, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it, but it was also just being honest about the sort of state of the industry, which I think is at this interesting transition point between maybe the sort of, let's call it like 95 to 2007 or 2010 kind of, kind of era where most companies I think were, were staffed by people who taught themselves, people who were kind of jacks of all trades or jills of all trades, um, you know, who knew everything from, design to code to copywriting, you know, UX, even before UX was, was really a thing. Um, and now I think companies are looking for specialization. 
to mm-hmm. some degree, but they don't know, like the, the industry, the terminology hasn't coalesced around one thing or another yet. So it's an interface designer for some companies. It's an experienced designer for others. It's a UI designer for, you know, it's, it's the web designer. And I think so much of what we're looking for, what we specifically at Cotton Bureau were looking for is somebody who kind of has, you know, tentacles that reach into a lot of those different directions. So, you know, somebody who maybe has some experience, um, designing marketing sites, but somebody who also has experience designing like really serious UI for either web apps or, you know, native iOS or Android apps. Um, you know, and then whatever other sort of like skills designers, you know, you know, ancillary or primary that they come with nowadays. Um, you know, so people who can design icons, people who can design marketing graphics, things like that. Um, we, again, specifically us, we're looking yeah. for somebody pretty, pretty senior, I would say, um, you know, or at least sort of mid-level to senior, somebody who can step in and really contribute on day one, somebody who are not necessarily having to coach up and kind of bring along. Um, you know, so for us, I think we're looking for somebody who has like a little bit of this and a little bit of that, not necessarily somebody who's like super specialized in one area. But even if we were looking for somebody specific, I don't know that we would have the language to, to ask for that either. Yeah. And, and as you were talking and explaining that to me, it, it did occur to me that I, I think I, I agree with you wholeheartedly and correct me if I'm not paraphrasing correctly, but essentially all these terms are basically just kind of showing that the industry is now going into specialization <laughs> and it just doesn't quite right. know how to, how to do it yet. Because like you said, in two that between, 95 and 2010 or whatever media queries were, we came out in 2010. I think right. that's the date that I use. You did it all. I mean, you... yeah, right. Right. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it, it's, you know, for somebody like me and I'm, I'm a little bit older, uh, than I think most people in this industry, but, um, I, you know, first of all, I'm not capable of doing any of this stuff anymore, <laughs> anymore for the most part. But, uh, there was a time where even I did it all, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, from everything from designing, coding, copywriting, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. But now it's, it's so complex, um, both on the design side, the development side, you know, how far down the stack a designer is expected to go, all that stuff. Um, you know, not to mention like being experts in, or, or at least somewhat well-versed in motion graphics and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, animation and things like that. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough out there. You know, um, on the motion graphics, uh, do, do you, are you, are you hoping that whoever you hire has a little bit of that in it or were you just kind of bringing it up just as like a case in point? And the reason yeah. I ask is, is because we, I, I think we need to be teaching more of it in design education, but not, I think the way we do it now, we do it as like, oh, let's design a, a movie. Uh, a movie trailer. Let's you know make a, a you know a, a motion graphics for a video, and I just don't mm-hmm. think that's quite what quite what the industry needs. Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, I think you know animation, and, and I, you and I could talk about this for for a long time in terms of like what designers are expected to know nowadays, which is mm-hmm. this increasingly ridiculous list of things. Um, but when I, when we talk about interaction, I think when most people in our in our uh, position talk about interaction. I think we're talking about sort of these little nano interactions, in a, you know, in a website or in a app context. Um, you know, so like instead of just clicking into an input field in a form on a, on a website or in an app, you know, there's, there's some little bit of motion that happens that indicates 
what's supposed to, you know, what, what the, what the user, what action the user is supposed to take, um, or make their sort of, sort of smooth out the rough edges in a, in a specific interaction or a call to action thing, something like that on a website, you know, it's not really this, you know, as you mentioned, it's not really make a movie or draw a cartoon. It's, you know, what happens when you click this button? Like what little thing can you add either from a form you know, perspective or from a function perspective that adds a little something to this interaction that the users, that the user's taking. And sometimes it can just be fun. You know, it can just be like, Oh, there's a little bit of, there's some like color gradient that happens when you, when you click it or, something spins around and or some icon animates into a different icon. And it might just be something relatively trivial like that that doesn't really make a big difference in in the the function of it, but it adds just a little moment. Mm-hmm. That I think is more is more what we're looking for. And you know, when we throw it in something like a job description, it's really just like if you have this too, great. But if you don't have that, it's not the end of the world because, you know, as as we've been saying and as I'm sure we'll say many more times in this talk, it's <laughs> The things that designers are expected to know, or at least know something about nowadays, is getting ridiculously long. Yeah. Um, so you also mentioned in the ad that you wanted someone who could design systems and pattern libraries. And you rambled off marketing sites, dashboards, onboarding flows, icons, maybe even illustration graphics, branding identity, and app mm-hmm. design. I'm more interested in, in those first two. But... But for before we, we I get in on those, do you think all those skills are the norm <laughs> for um, or do you feel like because of your, you know, the size of your company that you do need a broader person? I think the person that we're looking for has most of those skills. Um, okay. And I think that those those people definitely exist. Um, they may not exist in Pittsburgh where we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> we know who most of them are and we know where most of them work, uh, you know, and there's. Although we have big tech companies in Pittsburgh, it's mostly developers and engineers. There are very few designers that work there. Um, you know, they, those people most, you know, most likely are concentrated in San Francisco um, or Seattle or, you know, sort of maybe even places like Austin or Brooklyn or something like that. But um, that those people are out there, you know, those sort of mid to senior level design people who work at, you know, maybe they work at Pinterest or they work at Airbnb or they work at stripe or something like that and they're on a larger design team and they've amassed a pretty wide a pretty a pretty broad range of skills um in the time that they've worked there maybe they've bounced around between a few different sort of tech giants and startups in, in their time um you know so they're used to that sort of language they're used to producing those sorts of assets or working through those sorts of flows and things like that Okay. There's a there's an amazing one that would fit this bill that I thought of previous guest, Joni Trithal, but she's over in Delaware, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure. For she, sure. She hits, she hits all those. Um. Anyway, that aside. So, how as a company would you use a design system and a pattern library? Because those words are bandied about quite a bit, but I don't. Yeah. Think like we don't. I don't think as educators like we know exactly how they're used. Right. So. Um, you know, they're relatively synonymous and other people have different, you know, words for them. Um, you know, this guy kind of goes back to the sort of interface designer, UI designer, UX designer, experience designer kind of, uh, <laughs> vocabulary quandary, but, um, you know, pattern libraries, design libraries, design systems, whatever you want to call it. Um, what we're all building nowadays is increasingly complex and it's, it goes, you know, it's, in trying to build a cohesive experience across a wide range of 
devices and mediums, things like that. Um, you know, whether you're on a mobile, whether you're on a, a native app on a mobile phone, whether you're on a web app on a mobile phone, whether you're on a tablet, whether you're on a laptop and a big screen. I mean, there's people are trying to design consistent experiences across all of those interaction models. And it's not just building a website anymore. Um, it's not even really just building an app anymore, even though that's pretty recent too. Um, so the, the, the importance for tools that allow us to build consistently across all those mediums has become more important. And thus, you know, the idea of a, of a pattern library has popped up. Um, you know, and basically what that means is rather than designing a page, um, as the sort of final product, you're designing bite-sized pieces of that page. So here's what a form looks like. Here's what a paragraph looks like. Here's what a small button looks like. Here's what a medium button looks like or a big button. Um, here's what a drop down looks like. Here's what a headline looks like. Here's what horizontal navigation looks like or vertical navigation. Um, you know, the, the logo always goes in the middle or the logo always goes on the left or, you know, things like that. So you're, you're designing pieces that can be put together to design kind of larger constellations of those pieces. Um, so that when, somebody is laying out a form style in a native app versus a form style on the website, they're picking from the same menu, uh, the same consistent menu of interface elements. And it helps, it helps with scalability. It helps when somebody says like, Oh, I need to, I need to build this new page in this app, or I need to build, you know, this new, this new section of the, of the dashboard, um, in the back end of the website. Instead of designing something from scratch or feeling like they need to come up with a, a holistic composition of a page, they're just sort of picking and choosing the elements they need and putting it together. Um, it helps, like I said, with scalability. It helps with design debt. Um, you know, so if you if you need to kind of go back and change something, you're only changing one element that gets propagated across the entire system. That's what we mean when we say design systems and, and pattern libraries. And I mean, for our own part, Cotton Bureau, we've done an okay job of putting that together, but we still, I mean, we're, we're a little bit old school in that we, we haven't even really necessarily sort of changed our thinking over to truly 100% buying into the idea of a, of a pattern library where, you know, we're not just one of us says, let, we need this kind of a page, you know, still my first inclination is to open up an image, you know, an image editing software like Photoshop or illustrator, or, you know, sketch or something like that. And like try to design a page rather than saying, you know, what are those elements Let's break that down or let's see what we already have and see if we can just snap some stuff together. Yeah. You know, I, this is for the print designers out there that um, I guess when I hear style guide. What's a, what's a print designer? Yeah. This, uh, this is a print design educator. Um, <laughs> I kid. I kid. I'll, 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 I'll phrase it that way. It's for the old school <laughs> educators. The reason I asked about like clarification because pattern library design system I think of how you just described it, but you know, when I tell it to other people, they like think of like, oh, so it's like a branding guide, mm -hmm. and I'm mm -hmm. like, no, it's not a branding yeah, guide. Yeah, not exactly right. But listening to you speak, it just re reminded me. I, I taught a history of design course, and Massimo Vignelli did an amazing design system for the National Park Service, sure. where it was a system of like these are the elements that you're going to have. Now you could use these elements in a brochure. You can use these elements in, you know, the signage that would be actually at the park. And it was a it really, um, yeah, it was like a series of components. Like, okay, you need to talk about this historical fact. This is how you display that historical fact. And you can put it at, you know, in these different, plug it into these different use cases. Yep. So I think that's a, I'll have to dig that up <laughs> to, to show people what I'm talking about when they, 
when we have this question. Yeah, and I think in the past it might have been for, you know, if you're handing over, if you get hired to do some some design, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, Osmo Vignelli designing a park or, you know, somebody designing a, a website. In the past, I think it was, you know, sort of here are the pieces and here are the rules that dictate how you use those pieces so that people who aren't Massimo Vignelli can figure out where to put a sign in the future without having to hire Massimo Vignelli again in the future. Yeah. Um, you know, in our case, I think it's more about how to quickly, how to build quickly and how to build consistently um, and, and sort of smartly um, because things are changing all the time and, you know, interfaces are changing all the time. The expectations for what they have to do are changing all the time and having like a ready to go menu of pieces that you've already vetted, that you already know how they work um, is a lot simpler than just designing something from, from the ground up. Um, I mean, I know like just for our, for our, for our part, not only with Cotton Bureau, but with our, our web studio in the past and, you know, other projects that we've had, um, you know, my business partner, Nathan, you know, every, every once in a while we'll be like six weeks into a project and he'll say, you know, why do I have like four different hex colors for the same like red or, you know, why, why is, why is this form uh, input, you know, two pixels taller than this other one that you designed and they both kind of do the same thing like this. It's to, it's to, it's to solve those problems. It's to, mm -hmm. It's to, it's to round off the rough edges of designers like me. Yeah, no, I noticed I, for the first time the other day, I finally noticed I was doing that. I was looking at a website. I'm like, wait a minute. I've got a different type of typographic hierarchy on this page. It's the same site. What the heck am I doing? Yep. Um, it's like, oh, okay. Got to go yep. back. Do it first. I mean, do the do the typographic hierarchy first, then plug it in. Um, okay, so there's one, before we get to actually like talking about like applicants, to, to what to the letter of the law that you can sure um, in in the ad you also mentioned that you wanted someone who could turn their designs into live prototypes of some fidelity but if they could crank out production ready code it was even better so right. i'm not going to even ask about designers should code rather i'm curious about if you could expand on what what is a live prototype of some fidelity is that something like through the envision app or you know plugging it into bootstrap or zerb could be could be yeah it's um i mean we left that intentionally vague um <laughs> okay. so i'm going to give you a vague answer but um fair enough it's 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 less about i think when you read that sentence back it sounds like what we're looking for is somebody who can sort of get get their design farther down the road to completion than, than just a, than just a flat, you know, picture of a website that somebody designed. And that, that's true to some extent, but we've seen, and I think a lot of people have, have seen, um, I don't mean to sound like Donald Trump there. Um, you know, but, uh, <laughs> many people have told me, um, we've, we've seen even our own process sort of unofficially get a lot more collaborative and a lot more prototype driven rather than like designing, designing a flat image or flat images of websites and then translating them into code, translating them into production level code instead of that sort of very segmented process where it's one person designing and one person developing. A lot of times it's us sitting together on a couch, like looking at a screen together and saying, you know, sort of like tweaking the screen, you know, a little bit narrower, a little bit wider and just seeing like, you know, okay, at this break point, does this make sense? And um, you know, let's make that button a little bigger. Let's make that form input a little smaller, you know, whatever. Um, and it's a lot, it's, it's designing on the fly a lot more than it's coming up with a pixel perfect image of a website and then trying to translate that into code. So it's more about the process 
um, mm -hmm. of designing what the what the process of designing kind of looks like now. And it doesn't necessarily need to be collaborative like that. But I think um, even when a person is designing by themselves, being able to see it live and interact with it on the fly as you're designing before you even maybe even thought about style, you know, so it's just like it's all about size and proportion and the sort of interaction that you've that you've chosen to, to design. Seeing how it functions live is more important earlier in the process than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we what we talk about when we're talking about, you know, designing some sort of prototype. It's le it's less about the form the prototype takes and more about what the prototype helps you do in the yeah. process. And that's why I asked the question because I struggle with that. And I struggle with, I want my students when we're designing something to be able to look at, you know, make their typographic hierarchy, but then look at it on a, on across all these different devices to make sure that they are making the right choices, you know, because when they do their static ones on their screen, on their laptop or whatever, it's not accurate. Right. And it, there's just really not an easy way to, unless you can do some live coding, um, to really get you know, grids to see how they break, to see your typography. How does it actually look at a, you know, on a large device? Is it, how does it look on a small device, et cetera? Yeah. So that's what I was asking kind of, that's why I was asking the question is. Yeah, it's really hard. And I mean, you know, I, I don't mean to revisit, uh, you know, territory that we've already talked about in other podcasts, but, um, you know, the tools are always changing and, mm -hmm. You know, it, it was, you know, Photoshop for the longest time. And then, you know, Envision started to, you know, gain a lot of ground and Sketch is obviously out there for, for interface design. And just today, uh, Figma launched, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of came out of beta. And, you know, Figma has the potential to change the game in a way. But it's, you know, but who knows what comes after Figma? Um, yeah, you know, know, I'm I'm very leery as an educator of like, I mean, I'm fast. I signed up for the beta. I mean, I'm I'm very fascinated with Figma, but at the same time, I'm like I'm leery of these kind of things because sure. is somebody going to immediately buy it because they don't want it as competition? Yeah, of course. <laughs> what happens? You know, what happens yeah. when Adobe buys Figma or whatever? Okay, so now this is on to the reason that I actually reached out to you in the first place. Um, recently, you tweeted an animated GIF of Yoda when he basically that is why you fail when he when he tells Luke and and, and Dagobah. Um, and you, you made a comment with it. Uh, when you advertise a job opening for a modern interface designer and half the applicants' portfolios are on Wix. Mm -hmm. um, first, I agree that that makes me very sad, too. But if you don't want a Wix or a Squarespace or any of the other prefabbed website um, portfolio things out there, what, what do you want to see? What are your expectations? Right. Well, I, I'll, I'll, I want to first say, I don't know that I would lump Wix and Squarespace together. Okay. Um, because in a way that was, that was part of the, that was part of the statement I was making. So Wix to me, I mean, yes, it's a, it's a, you know, website builder that's out there, but I think sort of choosing Wix over something like Squarespace is a signal mm -hmm. to me that maybe your taste is off. Mm -hmm. Um, and look, it could be, look, I, and I don't want to get, I don't want to get too judgy about that sort of stuff because, you know, it could be that there's, you know, that like Wix is free and is if you're like a, if you just graduated from a student, like you don't have any money to spend on a Squarespace ad or a Squarespace site. But at the same time, you know, Squarespace is like eight bucks a month or 10 bucks a month. Mm -hmm. And I think investing in your career 
I think is a is a choice for 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 many people. But anyway, I mean, going back to the to the Wix thing, it, it was more of a it's more of a sig. I mean, obviously, I would like to see you make your own website if you are applying for this sort of a job. But yeah. that said, there are there are plenty of other there are plenty of other choices that you can make out there. Whether it's you know cargo collective or something like even something like behance which is you know whatever but um you know or, or dribble or as you mentioned squarespace where you're putting your work out there in a in a better medium in a in a medium that's a lot more true to the culture of the company of the companies that we like to sort of keep company with mm-hmm. um you know squarespace is a lot closer to our ethos than wix is you know and i think a lot of people would look at a, at a site like wix and sort of turn their nose up at it rightly or wrongly but you know i would probably put myself in that camp you know, well, so like from I said, a UX designer, yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> from a third grade teacher, Wix might be the right tool. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's, you know, it, like Wix is just, it's just sort of like Walmarty to me, you know, and it's not something, it sort of belongs to a class of internet service that we don't think we belong in. Mm-hmm. Um, when I see people submitting their portfolios and it's, you know, and it's whatever, you know, uh, you know, jfinelli123.wixsite.com and it's like, come on, come on, <laughs> come on. You know, and at that point, it's just it's like it's almost like an instant disqualifier. Um, you know, your work has to be very, very good on the inside, um, you know, in order for for me to look past your portfolio on Wix. Um, so that's that was that was the statement about Wix more than anything. It's like, yes, it's a website builder. And if you're applying to be a website designer, like chances are you should be showcasing that. Uh, on your website, there's also sort of a, you know, the cobbler's children have no shoes situation, uh, you know, happening with that, where it's like a lot of times you're just working at your job or you're working on your own client's work and you don't have time to to make your own website. You know, I'll accept that, but okay. at least try to signal your taste level with the website builder that you do choose if you choose a website builder. Okay. And so, and that gets to the heart of the question then. So it's not necessarily, pre, so prefabbed website I don't want. I don't know what you would call. I don't know how to define the service of Squarespace or right. Cargo Collective or Verb, but those aren't necessarily good or they're not necessarily bad. Um, they're not necessarily bad, right? Yeah. Um, you're you're missing. I would say you're you're missing an opportunity. Yes. To showcase what you can do, but I don't necessarily hold that as a too big a strike against you. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Like you said, you know, somebody who's like changing jobs and this one pops up, even though students should always have their portfolio ready, <laughs> regardless of what they have going on. Right. But... <laughs> I, I look more at, you know, what's in your portfolio yeah. more than, you know, more than what's, uh, cause I mean, like, like you just said, I mean, people are busy, even students, I mean, students are busy with student work. And if your website isn't part of your student work, um, chances are it's tough to find the time to squeeze that in and make something, you know, that's impressive. So in that case, Rather than hastily throw something together, you know, like you said, if you're, if you already have a job and this pops up and you're not even looking, but you see this and you're like, oh, that sounds like a cool place to work. Maybe I'll apply. It's better to put your, it's better to pick a really nice, really well executed Squarespace template for your site than it is to like hastily toss something together in in a night. (laughs) Okay. All right. So besides the Wix portfolio, uh, Wix portfolio site, what are some of the worst mistakes that you have seen um, from the applicants that design educators should be addressing in the classroom. <laughs> and I know this uh, is a more senior position, but sure, sure. No, this, I mean, we can, we can, there's definitely some, some things we could talk about with this. Um, I would say the most prevalent mistake as it re- as it relates to UI work 
is, and everybody does this at all levels, junior, you know, middle, senior levels, um, is like showing me a picture of the interface. I understand for a lot of reasons that like the interface may be behind a login or maybe in an app or, you know, it may be under NDA or I don't know, whatever. I see pictures of interfaces so often and it's like, what am I supposed, I mean, I could see it, it looks nice, but it's like, how does it work? You know, how does it, what happens when I mouse over this? What happens when I tap that? What happens when it's big? What happens when it's small? You know, what happens when I look at it on a device? I mean, seeing, seeing an interface live is so much more valuable than seeing it in a static image because, you know, I mean, for obvious reasons, but you know, web websites aren't static. You're not looking at it in one context, you know, evaluating a designer's ability in a static image today is a lot harder than it used to be, you know, but there's still that, I think there's still that, that desire to like design your portfolio and mm -hmm. squeeze, squeeze everything into the same sort of format. So whether it's, I designed this magazine when I was a junior, you know, or I designed this print piece for my last client job and I designed this set of icons and I designed this logo and I designed this interface. How can I put them all together into the same visual package? And so, you know, the answer more often than not is here's a picture of the interface. Here's a picture of the print piece. Here's a picture of all these icons. And it's not that appropriate necessarily to see an interface in a picture. So would, um, how do you feel about then animated GIFs? You know, cause like you said, like sometimes you just can't give you, you know, give you access to live code, but what if there's right. like an animated GIF or an MOV file that you could then see like the mouse and, or the finger or the gestures, you know, interacting with it that way. Sure. Sure. I mean, you know, anything, any step that you can take along the path to actually showing me the the piece, whether it's like sort of cloned on your website or whether it's still live and I can see it or whether it's an app that I can download is better than just, just a picture. Yeah. Cause I, I, and I found this happening to myself a lot, you know, when back when I was doing freelance work a lot more, um, I have, you know, sites that, you know, clients, you know, like, you know, a couple of years down the road, they abandon and, you know, they get some kind of intern and God knows what happens to it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we so, got a bunch of, we got a bunch of those sites in our graveyard. Yeah, I mean, so like, I mean, it was valuable work at the one time, but all you do have is that screenshot. So, yeah, and also, I mean, it, it, something to think about is in the same way that in the same way that people are using that app on a variety of devices, I'm looking at your resume and portfolio on a variety of devices. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 250 people applied to this job, and I wasn't sitting down at a 27-inch Apple Cinema display. <laughs> every single time, um, you know, every time I, I was evaluating somebody, sometimes it was just I'm on my phone and I'm out and I'm at the grocery store and I see like that this thing came in and, you know, I open up the PDF that's attached or, you know, I open up their their website and there's some tiny picture of an interface. And like that's <laughs> that's my that's my first impression. And, mm. you know, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I, I don't think there's anybody um, that I've made a call on based strictly on, you know. I'm at the grocery store on my phone, but at the same time, that's a use case. Mm -hmm. you know, that's, um, you know, I'm busy. People who are, people who are hiring are, are busy and you know, they might not always be in the perfect setting to look at the PDF that you sent along, you know, or to look at, to look at your website, you know, so that's, that's something to think about when you're applying for, for particularly like a web or app or interface, sort of a, sort of a job. Well, no, so maybe also very specifically for Cotton Bureau, because I can't tell you how many T-shirts I have 
you know, signed up for through Cotton Bureau. Hey, remind me the 36 hours before it's due, you know, before it closes. Yeah, right. Nine times out of 10, I've checked that. I get that email. I'm on my phone. I've completed the purchase and I can see everything on my phone. So, but I've signed up for it on my computer, you know, on right. my 27 my inch iMac. Right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, for, for us at, you know, for us at Cotton Bureau and for, I mean, look, for any, for any company nowadays, um, you know, the, it has to work as well or better on, on mobile devices than it does at a, on a desktop. Um, you know, because everybody's, everybody's seen their mobile and tablet usage rates, um, skyrocket in the, in the last few years. So if you, you ignore that at your peril, and I would say that's a lesson you can take to your portfolio design and resume design and whatever else as well. So any other major reoccurring bad badness that you've seen from this? Not, not necessarily. Um, okay. Good. You know, it's, I mean, it's important to know. I mean, like most people are not exceptional. Um, mm-hmm. That's the definition of the word exceptional. Um, exceptional people are the exception. And, you know, we're really looking for somebody exceptional. And so most people who have applied, I think, fall there. You know, there are a lot of people who are very good, but just didn't check some very necessary boxes for us. Um, and it's, you know, it's a shame uh, whether it's they're remote and we're not ready for remote workers yet or, you know, mm. You know, they're, or, or just like they're a really great graphic designer, but this is kind of an interface first position. Um, you know, those those people got sort of ruled out for those reasons. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, a lot of people just have sort of mediocre work in their in their portfolio. And and I found that a lot of a lot of mediocre portfolios are kind of mediocre in the same way. I'm not sure that I can exactly. <laughs> um, that I, I know what point. you're I know what you're yeah. getting at. Yeah. Like there's there's sort of like a lot of a lot of a lot of lot of style that I see repeated across, repeated across portfolios and things start to look a little samey after a while, but, Mm -hmm. you know, but also sort of like not executed in the right ways. I don't know. I mean, it's, I'm in a position where I look at a lot of design. I mean, it's, it's literally a part of our job Mm -hmm. at Cotton Bureau to evaluate design and to reject most of it. And so, you know, I'm kind of taking that mindset into, you know, uh, applicant evaluation as well. No, makes sense. So then on the, on the flip side, was there something that was just like was amazing to you that you you you've seen that you would like other designers to do? Uh, was there like you know something that pleasantly surprised you, and hopefully it doesn't give away anything hmm. in the hiring process? Um, was there anything amazing that I saw? Not necessarily. I mean, a lot of people went kind of above and beyond in their own way. I, I think that works for some people. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure how susceptible I am to that. <laughs> you know, I, I've seen I've seen in the past, not not necessarily for this job, but for other people's jobs, like people really go above and beyond in an appropriate way mm-hmm. that has put them kind of on a short list. Whereas if they just applied in the standard way, it might not have. But at the same time, like no amount of above and beyondness is going to overcome a lack of skills or a lack of experience or you know a lack of talent or, you know, whatever it is. I think a lot of times that enthusiasm comes from people who aren't qualified in very important ways. And so it's, mm. those are the tough people to, to say no to because it's like, look, you know, you got, you really put some time into this, but still not going to work for us. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's also because students are always, they, they fall into two camps. They either just like they, when they graduate, they basically do everything as like, it's a cookie cutter or they go to the other end of the extreme and like, you know, go all out <laughs> over the top yep. and it's a little t- and they don't quite like you said have the chops to back up the in the enthusiasm at that stage in their careers right right and it, you know and we we've, we've had a couple of people who are pretty junior 
who have impressed us, you know, but it's just not, this isn't the kind of job for them. This isn't, you know, they're, they're not who we're, they're not who we're looking for. And I think it's, you know, you can still, even if, I guess this is kind of an important lesson that if, even if, you, even if a job is looking for someone more junior or I'm sorry, more senior, and you know that you don't have the experience, you know, if you impress somebody, they're going to remember who you are. Um, and they might sort of make room for you. Okay. And I get that question from, from students a lot. The real one where it really falls into is the the person that's looking for like three to around three years of experience, but they've only got like one and a half to two. Yep. And like, you know that they're like so close and I, and I never know what to tell them. Cause I think it is kind of like personal to the person who's hiring. Yeah. I was like, cause some will just like, you didn't follow directions. No. <laughs> and I will never yeah. talk to you again. But other people yeah. like you are like, wow, this person's, you know, it's not quite right, but you could tell they're talented and they're tell they're close. Yeah. And you know, if, uh, what's important to know, and it's tough to, it's tough to, cause I've been in this position too, but, and it's tough to keep this in mind, but not every job is right for you. Mm-hmm. And you know, there, there are a lot of people who go to, there are a lot of either recent college grads or people who maybe got laid off or just between jobs or whatever. And they go to designer news jobs and they go to dribble jobs and they go to authentic jobs and whatever other job boards there are out there. <laughs> And they just apply to everything and, um, or they apply to as many jobs as they can. Not every one of those jobs is going to be right for you. You're not going to be a fit for everything. And even if you get rejected by one in that fashion, you know, look, maybe that's not the kind of place you wanted to work anyway. It's, it's easy for me to say that in my position, um, I'm not looking for a job. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but it's, it is, it is important to note that, you know, just because you get turned down by a place doesn't necessarily mean it was, you know, it was what you wanted anyway. Yeah, no, no, that's the. I, I tell them that I said, you can't take this stuff personally. <laughs> you don't know what they're looking for. Right. And you don't know the situ- I mean, you know, speaking mm-hmm. from, you know, pretty recent experience, you don't know the situation under which, you know, your stuff was evaluated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the person might've been having a bad day or they might've been busy or they might've just been trying to let, you know, like I said, in my case, I mean, we, we almost 250 people have applied for this job. I'm actually not sure the, the number, but it was 200 as of about a week ago. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of resumes to sift through. <laughs> and, you know, in different in different circumstances, if only 13 people had applied, you know, your your application might have gotten a lot more scrutiny or might have stood a better chance. But maybe we received 22 other applicants who look just like you in some way. You know, their work looks just like yours or they have about the same amount of experience or you know, whatever the, you know, whatever the case is, um, you know, your, your sort of profile looks the same as seven other people. You almost kind of rule all seven of those people out at once. Yeah. No, that, that happens. All right, Jay. So before I let you go, do you want to talk this a little bit about, um, I, I know you're hiring this position. I don't know if you've filled it yet, but there, you've got other ones coming up and you've got some other things happening at Cotton Bureau too. Any of those things you want to share or talk about? Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a pretty big period of change for us. Um, I'm actually not sure, um, when the last, when exactly the last time we talked was, I know we recorded it almost a year ago. Was it that long ago? Yeah. Um, but I know the, I know the, the, the actual episode launched a couple months later, but, um, you know, last time we talked, I think we were only probably four people full time. It was three partners in the business where the, where the product team, um, you know, so designer, front end dev, back end dev, and then somebody who handled, uh, customer service and fulfillment full time. Well, since then we've added two more people full time. 
um, full-time salary. Um, actually, well, two people at the beginning of this year, one person very recently who's handling marketing for us and uh, also kind of secret Project X that I won't get into at this point. But No it, worries. We're hopefully uh, lifting the lid on that, let's say, early next year. Okay. But we... After years of like hemming and hawing, we we decided to to raise a little bit of uh, venture capital money um, from a very very unique venture capital program, probably the only one that fits with us kind of culturally. We kind of went down the path a little bit with them last year and uh, made it pretty far, but didn't quite work out. And then we went back to them this year, and and it did work out. So. We're pretty ecstatic about that. Um, for the first time in seven years of being in business, we actually have a little bit of operating capital uh, as opposed to being <laughs> month to month, which is what we've been to this point. Um, you know, so it allows us to make some bigger bets, um, you know, so hiring and, you know, moving into a little bit of a bigger facility uh, here in Pittsburgh and, you know, uh, you know, taking some investing in some product decisions that we otherwise like wouldn't have had time for and advertising, things like that. On the hiring front, uh, like I said, we sort of filled one position from a marketing, marketing and product standpoint. Uh, we're hiring for this designer. The position isn't filled. Uh, we have a handful of people on a short list. Um, some people are kind of pipe dreams who we wish we could hire, but probably aren't going to be able to. Um, <laughs> one of those people actually turned me down today, um, oh, which I'm is kind of, kind of a bummer, <laughs> but, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't all bad news, but it was... It, it, hey, then it, why did they apply if they were going to turn you down? <laughs> well, we, we went after them, not the other way around. Okay, um, fair enough. You know, so there are a couple of people like that who are who are kind of on our wish list, but probably aren't going to work out for one reason or another. And then, a, you know, a handful of applicants um, who, who we think are, are pretty strong. But, you know, we're kind of working through some of their, some of their, some of the questions or limitations. Um, you know, a lot of people applied, applied to this job from outside Pittsburgh. Mm. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, there's a very limited number of people who cross off, who got sort of check all the boxes we're looking for in town, and they pretty much already work for one big, uh, one big startup here, here in here in the city. You know, so we either need to try to pry somebody away from them, or or uh, or import somebody from a different city. So we're going through those questions with a, with a handful of people. Um, so that's that's on that front. We're we're in the process of of trying to hire a more senior uh, engineer, like back end developer as well, mm -hmm. um, and that'll probably be it for a little while. We may bring on uh, an intern or two, both from either from a design perspective or from a development perspective uh, in 2017. But that's kind of up in the air at, at this point. But that's that's what's going on. A lot of change. A lot of change. It used to be. I think the last time we talked, it was more. You know, we're just going to kind of hold steady for a while and and work on the product. Um, you know, but now it's it's more about staffing up and going for a little bit more yeah and i'll, I'll I, you've written most of that on your blog so i'll i'll include links to all of that so so people can see about it all right so well that's all we have time for today on episode 33 of design edu today i want to thank today's guest jay finelli for being so generous with his time i want to thank the audience for listening and i want to thank the design edu today hosting sponsor DigitalOcean, and CDN sponsor Fastly for making the hosting and distribution of these podcasts possible. I also want to thank the AIGA and the AIGA Design Educators community for their generous support of my research that led to this podcast series. If you like this podcast, consider leaving a review for it in the iTunes store and share it with your colleagues and friends. To discover more about the Design EDU Today podcast and read the session notes and transcripts, visit the show website at designedu.today. To keep up with new show releases, you can follow us on Twitter 
at designedu today, like the Facebook page, or subscribe to this podcast through the iTunes or Google Play Store. Finally, if you'd like to suggest topics for future episodes or give feedback to help improve the show, contact me through Twitter or the show's email address at hello at designedu.today. Thank you for listening to Design EDU today.